You're listening to No Dice, No Problem, a new monthly Asians represent variety show hosted by Drew Kwan and me, Daniel Kwan, on the One Shot Podcast Network. Check out uncut video and other exclusive content at patreon.com slash AZNS represent. A lot of things that I want to chat about on our platform, and I think it's important for you know, creators of color to chat about, you know, you know, broader issues, but it just doesn't align with the specific tone and the expectations folks have of Asians represent. Like, I want to talk about how we manifested critical Marisha Ray, critical role boxing. Like (laughs) we were literally talking about this days before the announcement happened and it happened. And it was like, we were insiders, but like, yeah, talk about that on Asians represent. We can't talk about that on our Friday stream. It, there's no place for it there. But on this show, this monthly show where, you know, everyone's going to get access to the audio, but patrons get access to the video, we can talk about that. And this is going to be the episode where, you know what, we were honestly kind of struggling. When we were planning for this episode, we were like, well, I don't think for an hour-ish we could actually talk about TTRBG celebrity boxing. We can't drag on. Not. Do you think Matt probably Mercer not. can beat Joe Manganiello in a boxing match? The answer is fucking no. Um, nah. Like, no. But we couldn't talk about that for an hour. And then literally two hours. Well, at this point, we, we've been talking for like almost two hours prior to this recording. Yeah, yeah. Getting a little context about the topic. We were like struggling with what was going to happen. And then you and I both on Discord message each other. And we're like, yo, did you just see what happened? D&D took the SRD and just made a creative commons. Yeah, you know, they, they say boom, with uh, content, with, they say with a lot of content, you want to make it timeless so it's rewatchable. Now, the first episode is incredibly timed. It is incredibly beautiful. timed. <laughs> the OGL, the, OGL uh, uh, the new creative commons stuff announced today. <laughs> Literally at, and this is Eastern, at 3.06 p.m. Eastern, January 27, 2023, Wizards of the Coast, or... Well, I guess Wizards of the Coast, because they own D&D Beyond now. D&D Beyond puts out a tweet basically saying, over the past few weeks, you, the community, have made your voices heard. And we've listened. The OGL 1.0a will remain untouched, and the entire SRD 5.1 is now properly is now available under a Creative Commons license. And then they provided a link that elaborated on it. They said, hey... We're leaving OGL 1.0A in place, as is, untouched. And then the entire SRD 5.1 is available under a Creative Commons license. And if you open up the document, which is right there in the announcement on D&D Beyond, it's right there, you have the new SRD. New SRD, I say, with air quotes. Um, but from what I understand, the fact that they've put it there, it's available, and they put it under this license means that it is now irrevocably, permanently under this Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. And we were talking to our friend Legal Kimchi about this because both of us were like, I feel really fucking stupid. <laughs> why does... Like, let's be honest, right? We were both like, why the fuck is... The OGL and the SRD are are both like things here, right? And why are they coexisting? And Kimchi messaged me and was like, in like the most dad way, like, would you like to sit down and talk about this? 
would you would do you want to learn? Do you have any questions? And I was <laughs> sat, like, sat us <laughs> on his lap and said, <laughs> "My children, <laughs> my children, and, would you like to learn you something?" And he answered our questions. Now, what we're saying and what what Kimchi provided is not legal advice. I will preface that uh, this sort of segment of the podcast about you know with that, but you know we got our questions answered about the OGL. And I think the consensus was that a, the 5.1 SRD going under that creative commons Four international license is the best possible outcome that we could have gotten. Um, but the OGL and the conversation surrounding the OGL now is kind of, I don't want to say misplaced, but keeping the OGL itself is in the long term sort of meaningless because you with the SRD being under the CC4 license you no longer actually need the OGL and what's happening now is there's this sort of legal confusion with them both coexisting uh because any further publication in your best interest I literally went on drive through RPG and for Blades of the Lunar Kingdom I re-uploaded them with the new Creative Commons license while you were taking a shit because you had to take a shit before we started this recording. I went went on InDesign and I changed everything and just re-uploaded it to DriveThruRPG. But it's in your best interest to use this Creative Commons license now because you are protected. They they can't deauthorize it anymore. And so you and I asked Kimchi, we were like, well, why is the OGL still here if there's this sort of legal confusion with the two of them both existing? Sure. And he basically said, like, the answer is really straightforward. Everything up until today, except for Blades of the Lunar Kingdom, um, as of the time of this recording, um, everything today, up until this point, was published under that OGL 1.0a and now doesn't have the proper attribution. And this is kind of a sign a showing of good faith from Watsi in that they're allowing the community to basically transition to this mm-hmm. new Creative Commons license. I think there's also a certain aspect of because there's that legal confusion, people don't understand the differences between the OGL and Creative we didn't. Commons. Yeah, since 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 we do not, we understand at this point with all the news and all the articles and YouTube videos about it. We all understand by and large what the OGL does and that the OGL staying as it was is a good thing. Correct. But if they had announced that the OGL is going away and being replaced by Creative Commons, you would have had a lot of people who don't know the difference, presuming that that's a bad thing because you're yanking the rug out. People would have freaked the fuck out. But also, all of these people would have had to go and update all of their products. There are going to be publishers and creators who are no longer working in the space who now have works that are out there that are basically they, they can't exist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but the the SRD being under this new Creative Commons license is a fantastic thing. And is Watsi going to take away that 1.0a OGL? Probably not. They likely they, I think people are st- I'm still wondering if they can, but they have no incentive to anymore. Because they've taken the whole SRD, which mm. is just all of the text that's beyond, that's basically page three of the OGL on, and said, hey, it's free. Um, it is the biggest power play that Watsi could have done. 
right? It's as as we were talking about earlier with kimchi, it's like this is the way in which Watsi calls the bluff of all of these publishers that are involved in the, that open RPG license, that orc license, right? It's basically Watsi being like, okay, you want to, you asked, they, you know, meet me outside. I'll meet you outside. <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. what they did. And with all these people being like, well, I'm just going to go elsewhere. Watsi's like, here, it's free. They called the bluff and they said, take it and go. Yeah, I mean, with Watsy and Hasbro, it's a case of, yeah, finan- their financial goals with monetization and whatnot, they're not getting that as they wanted with this sort of sneak through OGL that they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. They don't get that, but they can afford to take the L's required to win the, the war itself 100%. You know, with, with everyone else because they can afford this. And so therefore... You know, they can especially afford it when they laid off a ton of people. They laid off 15% of their workforce. That's a lot of people, bro. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, a lot I, of I don't know if that happened today, but you know, quite the coincidence. You get a lot of, you know, good publicity when you lay off a ton yeah. of people. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's wild. Um, now that's... A lot of people are... I've, I've been kind of like, you know, seeing a lot of people being like, well, or, you know... The cynic in me is very much like, well, is does this mean that people are just going to go back and resub to D and D Beyond? Um, are folks going to just go back to playing D and D? The cynic in me is saying, yeah, people are. Um, sure. I certainly hope that folks go and try other RPGs. Um, I don't think the conversation ends at Pathfinder. I think folks need to go and you know try indie games, try Blades in the Dark, try. We were talking about Errant. Uh, mm-hmm. Go and try. You know, Coriolis, Forbidden Lands, um, try Zweihander. I'm just trying to think of things right now. Um, but I, like, I, I don't well, know yeah. what's going to happen. Um, I think a lot of folks are just going to make that transition to the new Creative Commons license. Yeah. And I think the orc will still proceed. I think that's important, right? I think companies should still be trying to a bring gamers and creators into their ecosystem, uh, but B, I also think they will adjust the orc to still be meaningful to the industry, because the SRD is meaningful to those who want to build off of D and D. But what about other systems? What about other mechanics that you are more inclined to create with? I think the orc is still going to be important for that. Yeah, the orc is still important. It's still necessary, and I think. You know, that is part of the, at least to me, the part of the all-encompassing positive outlook or positive, uh, I guess, end result of a lot of this is that I think that that's still a very good thing. I think that there'll be some cool stuff involved with that. Um, But yeah, in terms of, who, you know, who's going to go where with all of this as the dust settles and people take stock of their options and everything. I mean, anything we say is going to be like conjecture because, you know, people made all sorts of um, predictions and I don't think anyone saw this happening. No, this is literally the best case scenario. Yeah. And when I don't think anyone really saw this uh, happening, if you did, uh, you know, kudos to you. Um, And I mean, folks who didn't see this happening were very much like, well, we'll make our own thing, right? Cobalt Press, MCDM. They were yeah. all they all announced their own 
in-house sort of systems that they were working on. And like James Intracasso is tweeting and like very cryptic tweets about things they're playtesting, something like Hannah Rose. But and that was all of these things were said when it was presumed that everyone were rats fleeing the sinking ship. Yeah, when it was worst case scenario. Yeah, but now and when so it's everyone's best case scenario, building, building rafts for, for what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's going to happen? I we were talking earlier, and I think we both agree that MCDM is going to go and make. They're going to follow through. I certainly hope they do because I think the folks there are brilliant. We know that they have a lot of experience creating systems from the ground up, like James Intercasso designed yeah. Burn Bright for Roll Twenty, right? Matt Koval is basically playing 5.5 D&D. Like, D&D, his yeah. D&D is so different from everybody else's D&D in a good way. Like, I'm a big fan. Like, I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan. I think if we were at a con and I saw him, I'd probably be like, Ugh! like, I'd freak out. Sure. I'd probably freak out. Sure. Um, I'm a big fan. And I, their design sensibility is very different from what Wizards is doing. And their design sensibility is also very different from Kobold Press, who are also, who also announced that they're going to do their own thing. Yeah. I... I'm honestly on the fence as to whether or not they follow through because I, I think a lot of folks follow MCDM because they like Matt Koval, they like James Intracasso, they're following sure. because of the personalities. Like yeah, what, whatever they, they do, people will buy. It's the same thing with Critical Role, right? Yeah, we're in um, an age where you know we have content creators and we have cults of personalities and we have mm-hmm. these people where people are fans of them and then fans of their design whatever they or do product second. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they do, you know, so there will always be people who will buy Matt Coville or MCDM's products because Matt's attached to it, you yep. know, just like they're there, you know, as we've seen with Critical Role, that shit will sell out or bust through Kickstarter goals left and right because Critical Role is attached to it. Exactly. And there are a number of other uh, content creators who, you know, while they may not break into that point one percent you know uh echelon up, upper tier you know they can still probably eke out you know uh, a good chunk just because they are successful as content creators you know yeah. they they can pull an automatic consumer base now i don't think that's the case for kobold press right because uh, people people know kobold press now because they make 5e supplements Right. Yeah. They make spell books, weapon books like I, I was in a Kobold Press book. Right. Will people still go and buy things from Kobold Press if they're not D&D? Yeah. And like and I, I don't, and I think that's a big risk. Yeah. I, I highly respect Kobold Press. I've bought a number of their books. They make I great backed, products. Um, I backed the um, what is it called? The Tome of Tome of Magic, Tome of Spells. The one that's got like 500 spells in it. It's like Tome of Magic the one with the Tome of Magic because. This is the one I was in. It's a, it's a Tome of Spells. What did I work they, on? They just, they just put out a Kickstarter of a second one. Oh, they just put out that Kickstarter. That's not the one I was on. Yeah, Tome of Magic, I think. I have to go spells. on my portfolio and find remember which one I <laughs> I did. highly respect them. I, I also did. cannot remember the name of their book. <laughs> Vault of Magic is oh, the one yeah. I worked on. That's the one with the wolf's brush. Um, yeah. Inspired by a historical Chinese weapon. But like that, um, Tome of Beasts, thing, things like that. Like, yeah, I, I really... I really enjoy their products because they often give me the shit that Watsy never wants to dole out these days, which is, you know, the big book of options. Yeah. 
I just, I, I do, I personally, I do not care about most of these settings. I respect, I respect the setting hustle uh, of the classics, but I just, I didn't, I was not born and raised with them. I do not care. I like, but also like you have long running game and you want things that you could slot into your long running game. I I want to take your shit and just throw it into my setting. You want modularity, right? You want like, Oh, this is a dope weapon. I can give one of my players. or this is a cool spell that I can use, right? You don't want, Oh, I need this adventure path now. Like you don't need that. You want the things that you can use with what you're currently playing right now. Yeah. And that's what Cobalt Press does extremely well. I have never enjoyed feeling like I have to buy a thirty forty dollar uh adventure mm. just so I can get access to like a subclass, you know, or like those two magic items or things like that. Because, yeah. you know, when it comes to like Dungeons and Dragons, bro, I have been playing uh, ever since uh DD fifth edition came out, and I've been playing like three to four sessions a week, uh, or you know, playing slash running. So that means I've kind of I've exhausted a lot of stuff. I've just seen most of it. You know, I'm not going to say I've memorized those books, but I've seen every page of them many times. And so you you want new stuff and they continually don't want to give that to me. But Cobalt Press will give that to me. And I like that. The only thing that holds Cobalt Press back, in my opinion right now, for me personally, is just that they are not part of D&D Beyond. And that sucks. Doesn't integrate. It doesn't integrate, which I think sucks. I really wish it did. I understand that that's probably a huge, a huge ordeal to go through in terms of, you know, the staff and resources that are needed to make those kinds of transitions and to do all that integration. Cause that's such a large amount of things. But also right? like Watsy owns D and D beyond. Why would they put a competitors yeah, no, yeah, on that platform? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but you know, that's, part of the continuing danger for uh content creators you yeah. know it is you are not necessarily out of um the wreckage yet because you know what happens with the next edition with where does one D go where does well, this sixth edition go in this you know virtual tabletop stuff you know are you going to get locked out because the experience that watsy can afford to give you um does it integrate with third party stuff a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, that's why, so like to, to close this sort of conversation about Cobalt Press and like yeah. third-party publishers, I think a lot of people are going to thrive in in the space of making new systems. Pathfinder will still be there, Pathfinder. I mean, they sold out their entire warehouse. It's on Facebook. They sold out their entire right. warehouse. Like they, they had eight months worth of stock and they sold it all out. And now they were like, we still have the paperback and the pocket editions by those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would never. Um, I like the big books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether it's my Pathfinder book or show, if my Pathfinder book can't be used to, to, to deal damage in a real fight, I don't want it. If I like, can't spike someone with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> but like, I think a lot of people go to Cobalt press with the same intent that you do. You have, when you go to Cobalt press, you sure. want things that you could add to your D and D game. So, Will they will a completely new system be successful for them? Is that what their consumer base is looking for? Mm-hmm. Time will tell. Um, yeah. But you did mention, you know, the fact that Cobalt Press's great products don't work with D and D Beyond 
it, it you know is a sign that you know they're closing off their ecosystem and i mean it is totally reasonable to do that you're not going to you know you're not going to let anybody just like make money off of a platform that you have and you're not going to get a cut of that yeah. right but what i think more people need to be talking about with regards to like closing off systems is putting the 5.1 SRD under that Creative Commons 4.0 international license is effectively telling the community that 1D&D is going to be a pretty much a closed system. And it's not going to be backwards compatible like they had originally said, like mm-hmm. we have seen in those two Unearthed Arcanists that they released. Like originally it was going to be like, well, what's going to happen now if I have 5e content that I really like? Maybe you like Candlekeep Mysteries, Book of Inner Alchemy, and you want to go and, you know, you have your one D&D content. You sh- originally, you, sh- you would be able to play them both, right? Mm-hmm. Now that the core 5e rules are, are, are free, what's, what's the value of one D&D, right? So in order to bring value into one D&D, I think, What's going to happen is that it's going to be a closed system. I think that it's going to take a 180 and feel mechanically very different. I'm sure there will be caveats in there. I'm like, hey, here's how you can adapt f- your 5e content to, to 1D&D. But I think it's going to be very different. I also think that they are going to lean heavily into the VTT space. Yeah. Like heavily into the VTT space. They are going to, and a credit to, to Kimchi, Legal Kimchi, when we were talking he was we were he said you know what they maybe they won't even release rules maybe it's just it's a system that you interact with it's going to be like a game engine and yeah, it it just has a ui has it a ui has some tutorials but there's no you don't have to read through a bunch of stuff because you don't need to know that this interacts with this in this way because the game it's all programmed to do does so does it it just does it right? they are basically maybe and this is speculation 1D&D in its VTT iteration is basically going to be a system where it's just plug and play. You can put whatever you want into it. It's going to be like Tabletop Simulator, I think. Um, not only in look, because, I mean, they've done those like flashy trailers, but I think in the way the system actually works, it's going to be heavily embedded into that virtual experience. I, I, yeah. I really think so. I'm sure there will be print because people love print, right? Sure. Um, but I think the print material... And those mechanics are going to be drastically different, or at least very distinct. I don't, I don't want to say drastically. They're going to be distinct from 5e. And the VTT will have a lot of automation into it. There will be a ton of automation, I suspect. All I ask. More so than there already is with the character sheets. All I ask from this new VTT, should it occur in the way that we think it will. If I buy a print copy, do I get the digital one? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All I ask is that. If I were to play a Warlock and I cast Eldritch Blast, it sounds just like the one in Baldur's Gate 3, because that sound design <laughs> is unreasonably sexy. Have you heard that? It's, it's such a good sound. I can't think of it like, it's right in so my head. Good. It's we'll so to... chunky. Well, like, I, that Eldritch Blast got a booty on it. Like, it's just I, fucking chunky. I want... It's got a booty on it. <laughs> like, fucking... just... <laughs> in my head, when you said it's got a booty on it, I was like, what does that sound like? We'll talk about what that. What does later. Eldritch Blast with the booty? Yeah, sound what does like? Eldritch Blast Eldritch sound booty. like? Oh God! Um, <laughs> but like, it's going to be closed off, and I, I think yeah, 
not enough people are talking about this. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's yeah. a bad thing because if it's closed off, if it's going to have its own OGL, if it's going to have its own SRD with its with their own unique licensing terms, while 5e is effectively safe now to create yeah. in, Watsy now has the challenge of getting people on board for one D&D. Yeah. Basically, that's the new conversation. Basically, Watsy is leaving Jurassic Park and they're going to come back and it's just a fucking mania <laughs> because yeah, they've let it they've let everyone just free roam now well, they're leaving the they're leaving they're leaving one island they literally like cut all the locks off they said hey the labs are wide open we're taking this boat to another island and started jurassic park 2 like <laughs> yeah i think that's okay. what's happening we're, there's still going to be dinosaurs there but the way that you interact with these dinosaurs is going to be a little bit different yeah. well and the vtt establishes or, or, or it, it helps create a distinct experience beyond. A distinct experience, but like D&D Beyond, you know, part of the reason that everyone canceling their subscriptions uh, on D&D Beyond was so powerful is because when they talk about how D&D is under monetized, that is one of the most accessible ways to monetize it on a regular basis. And that's yeah. why the cancellations, uh, you know, cause so much issues for them. Having such a dedicated VTT allows them to do for better or for worse. All of the microtransactions and monetizations that they want so to do monthly subscription, they they're going to have tiers. Drop, they can just hot drop updates or like DLCs, like four dollars for this subclass or four dollars for this item, you know, or th- shit like that. Dude, dude, they're just gonna like if I were to monetize a virtual tabletop that that has like the the ability to build scenes, like you know, Tailspire, fucking incredible. First of all, Tailspire, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you had like a Tailspire meets hero forge with what already exists in D&D beyond and then you stick it in there with the freedom of tabletop simulator they're going to be charging for cosmetics oh do you want your your avatar your character your little virtual mini to have these cloaks or these weapons do you they're going to continue to charge for dice like they do already right they're going to you know they're going to charge for like do you want a different if it's virtual what do you want your dm screen to look like maybe they're going to charge for different dm screens they're going to have their monthly subscription too for the access to all this content what if it's like a ten dollar subscription to get access to a library with hundreds of pre-made maps hundreds of fully rendered three i suspect that that it could be i suspect that it could be even cheaper i suspect that it could be even cheaper and they would basically well look like show Okay, Shonen Jump. Shonen Jump, the, the Shonen Jump app sure. is like $3 a month and you can read all the manga you want. But then you could just buy stuff too. You can add to, yeah. you, know, you pay more. That's how, They bring you in with this low cost of entry, right? And then they get you to buy more. And I, I could see them doing that there yeah. where you would essentially buy into this ecosystem just like we all are bought into Steam and you'll never leave. Right, you'll never leave because hey, all of my books are here, all of my digital content is here, all of my characters, yeah. oh, the all of issues. my 3D models and stuff—they're all there. Honestly, when it comes to the whole like, not to get into too much video game talk all of a sudden, but like, no, when it fine. Comes to no, there's issues, no problem. No, no there's no, no problem. fucking problem, bro. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like Steam versus Epic versus Ubisoft, yeah, I understand that. Like, you play at Epic, they're all garbage. Well, launchers, Epic is everyone forget giving... that Steam's also kind of garbage. Yeah, but like you could like people are all bought into Steam, right? Yeah, that's they exactly why. Like Steam, I can't leave Steam. Steam never was 
and it certainly isn't right now a great launcher. It has all these issues all the time. Oh, tons. Um, but the 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 difference is is that Steam has 300 games that I own on it. You you know you play. You're not and, going anywhere. You know, You're not going anywhere. Have that for me, it they, it is simply that they beat me to the punch. And it's, honestly, kind of Steam Steam and D and D are the same thing. Sometimes, well, that's it's, what we said in that episode. Where we were like, D and D Beyond. It was, it was our prediction. D and D Beyond is just going to be Steam. Yeah. It's just going to be like Steam for D and D, and they're going to people are going to be sucked into it. Like not in a bad way. Like people who want to play will pay to be able to play, and it will undoubtedly be a good experience. I have no. They're putting so much money into it. I doubt it's going to flop. I really doubt it. I, I don't think you, I don't, I don't think it, it, can. it can, it can, I'm, I'm sure it can, but they can't afford for, they it can't to. afford for it to flop is, is, is what I mean. But like, I, th- it's not going to be like, you know, like final fantasy 14, like flops initially and then they come back and then it's this huge hit. I don't think that's going to be the case for it. I think they're going to, they know that the community is very vocal Sure. And they are going to really probe the community for feedback on this one. I think they learned their lesson. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, yeah, I completely agree. I think one D and D and D and D Beyond as a VTT sort of as a game ecosystem, yeah, is going to close itself off from Five E. We've already seen them take the steps to do that, right? Um, and it's just going to be its own sort of D and D. Yeah, and. If- if fifth edition splits off into its own experience that is now just supposed to be completely separate from this mm. enclosed system. And if they stop develop, you know, so is Watsy going to then stop developing for fifth edition? Oh yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. So then, but with the creative commons, the rest of us have free license to do stuff. So I'm very interested to see beyond based off of that in the next three, four years, who starts rising to the top? Who's the new Watsy? Within D and D Fifth Edition, you well, know, that's, who, well, it's literally the it's the Pathfinders, it's the Pathfinder story, right? Yeah, it's it's that's why I said earlier they have to now that they've appeased the the community, they have to now go and say, okay, here's why you have you you'll want to leave Five E to go and play one D and D. That's the next mm-hmm. battle that Watsi has to fight. Right, they have to pull people away from this thing that they've made for free. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see what happens. I um, like, dude. Like, I I know you love D and love D and D, yeah. and it was like it was heartbreaking to see what ha- this happening. Right. There have been you know things about Watsy in the past, like you know what happened with Spelljammer and what happened with some of their employees and how they were treated. Um. And it was heartbreaking to see like a game that you love and the publisher of a game that you love kind of set everything on fire. Right. And a lot of people are going to be watching this or listening to this and saying, well, like, look, you could still play in D and D and not have to deal with Watsy. Right. But at the same time, you know, it, for, for me, it, it was just like, it felt like I don't want to say like a betrayal, but like I worked for Watsy, right? I, I'm a I I wrote the book of Inner Alchemy and Candlekeep Mysteries, and there are a lot of young people who 
I mean, who reach out to me online, who are like inspired by the fact that like an Asian person can go and write for Wizards of the Coast and write an a, an official D and D book. And now I feel like that that was that was gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that fucking and that fucking sucked. Um, I also just it felt weird talking about D and D online. Like I wanted to be excited. Like our dude, our home game was our last session was so fun. Like dude, I finally, so I dude, I, I was like, I spent three weeks writing out this Dark Souls esque boss, and I was so excited to talk about it. I had laid it out and everything, and I was just gonna put it out into the world for free. And I, I had just, to romance my wife, and that was the most terrifying part. Oh, of the dude, the fact that session. you and I had to—I first of all, I thought we did a really great job of that. Me playing we, your wife, we romanced each other so fucking good. It bro. was, it was great. Um, it was fantastic. Um, no lines were crossed. No lines were crossed. But I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about the fact that yeah. we had that yeah. moment and we had this epic boss fight. And like, I want to talk about how Mark fucking just burned all of his spell slots and dealt like a hundred fucking damage in one shot. Like, what it was that? like it was one so of those moments. Damage. So much damage because all of us at the at the table were like, "Holy shit!" Like, what did he just yeah. do? Yeah. Because have... like Emma had just like shot him with for an arrow for twelve damage, and Mark was like, "Step aside." Huh. I had so much fun playing a way of the open hand monk, whose save DCs aren't shit, and so and, oh my, so I can't study strike anyone. No one, <laughs> no, you know, like. <laughs> But but like but the story that we're telling like we're hitting this point in the story where it's just like we know these characters so well and we now have a very all of our side little quests and all of our character backstories have now finally reached the point where they are one and it's just so exciting that we're in the middle of this boss fight and to see everyone kind of like really rally to take on this boss for I could tell you knew that like oh it's not just one dude that they're fighting and there's people hiding, but there's, I, I could, yeah there's no way in order and to I make could D&D tell, more dynamic you got and I could tell and I could tell you on. were like holding back because Kendra has never been in an experience like that before, mm-hmm. uh, and then when it happened like everyone else was like super surprised and I thought that first of all thank you, um, listen like, I ran I ran into that. Because, yeah, sure, like, ah, my character would do that. Sure, whatever. But yeah. I also ran into that knowing that it would probably spawn other creatures. Yes. And there's nothing I can do to stop the big bad from running around. But if I can pull aggro on the smaller dudes. Then, which you, you know, did. Which you did. And then Mark took your I cue. And he, them up. and he ran in and started fighting with the boss. And so for context, for the folks who are listening and watching... Like I designed a three-phase Dark Souls style boss, um, who is the avatar, who is basically um, empowered by this imprisoned avatar of a fire deity, and he's like this knight who's shrouded in flames. He has legendary actions where he can basically become semi-ethereal and dash across the map, leaving these sort of trails of fire to basically disengage with people for free. And we've just, it hurts. it hurts. And we had, you know, he does immense amount of damage. Uh, Drew with your fucking evasion. Um, super cool, first of all. Like, you're just like, no damage. Um, <laughs> yeah, no damage. No damage, just like that. The thing like, that all DMs love to hear. <laughs> honestly, yeah, I'm okay with it. Because for me, it's like, I designed this 
boss with the intention of giving you all opportunities to look dope and challenge you, right? Like Mark got that moment where he took that really overpowered sword that I gave him and used it to the best of his ability and dealt over 100 damage in one shot. It was fucking awesome. Like I would never be like, it doesn't hit. It doesn't resolve. Like I would never do that. I'm just like, cool, you did it. And then I think it was, I think it was you or Emma who knocked him down to zero. I saw Kendra was like, we did it. That's it. Yeah, he's not dead, right? We left. No, he's not dead. He's on phase two of three. We got, we, we. We got, we got. This. I think you got hey, this. You know, we got. I, I think, fine. I think you got it's this. Fine. This is, this is, um, this is a fight that I think you can win. This is a fight that I think you can. Oh, win. easy peasy. Otherwise, you know, we'll all the characters will die, and we'll go, and you know, we'll go to hell or something, or maybe you'll become, you know, you'll all have to work for the the flame emperor, and you'll take heel turns, and then we we can go with like a real dark campaign. Yeah, it's um, a, yeah. The only character that would not care is you. mine. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think that would be interesting, right? Um, I tried to drink that motherfucker. <laughs> you did. Uh, you you tried uh, to to drink the essence of a fire demigod, and the party straight up was like, "No, Drew, you're not going to become evil." And you were like, "But I want to." <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "But I, I want just to." Like, you I almost shouldn't die. <laughs> you you almost had what you wanted, and then they took it all away from you. Listen, my character Adrian will do anything for his wife, and his uh-huh. wife was like imprisoned in this like like servant like super spy contract, and so it's just like yeah, you make I don't it sound really fuck. cool. I don't give a fuck about this this king of this country I've just arrived in. If I have to join up with. Uh, fire, fire Lord Ozai. You know? yeah, basically, I'll Fire Lord Ozai. I can say that because I worked on Avatar. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit. I'll fucking do it. But then they were like, "Oh, but like we're friends, right?" And my character's like, "Ah, eh, you know." Fuck. <laughs> the, yeah, I guess you're your right. Your character's like your your character would have been like friends. But then you're just like, but I want this game to continue, and I don't want Daniel to kick me out of the group. Well, well, no, <laughs> I mean, like the whole idea was like, listen. My advice to other players. Make your character kind of an asshole if you want. Make them kind of evil. It just depends. First of all, depends on the vibes of the campaign. Depends on the vibes of the group. It's all dependent. And like, be very communicative. Be very communicative about these kinds of things. But like, in a typical story, your asshole character should be at some point slightly less of an asshole. You know, your loner you wolf character. Back. You pull back. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You, you got to rein it in. You got to become a, a a regular person sometimes and have some yeah. friends. Yeah. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you got to be a regular person and have friends. Yeah. You know, you just listen. They're, you know, they're here for you. I'm they're here, here for, you. for you. I'm here for you, dude. I'm here for you. Um, this is this is the time where I start cultivating a parasocial relationship with all of our with all of our with all of all of our fans. <laughs> I'm here for you. Could you imagine? Just we just cultivate a parasocial relationship with each other. I'm just like I'm just such yeah. a fan of Drew. I'm just such a fan <laughs> of Daniel. Oh my god! I just I feel like Daniel like gets me. You know, he really he's always there me. for me when I. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're just both trying to manipulate each other. We don't realize it. I feel like that's a good. I can vaguely read the address on that uh, letter on the table. 
Hmm, yeah. I got some convincing in him. I mean, I'm such a loyal fan. I'm a yeah. two-three sub. Of a t- God. <laughs> God. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of Twitch, we should talk about what we what we manifested into existence. Oh my God! Okay, we, so we, we, we were fucking, playing. We were, oh, we were playing, watching UFC. We, we were watching the UFC. We were watching uh, UFC twenty five. We were watching uh, like problematic people confirm. beat up other. It problematic was not people. UFC two two eighty five. It was. Yeah. I'm just pulling it up right now. Wasn't was it? Oh my God! This is really far off. It was. <laughs> holy crap! It was UFC two eighty three because we were watching uh, Jamal Hill, Glover Teixeira, Brendan Moreno, Davison Figueredo. Right. And then we were saying, you know what? It would be really funny if D&D celebrities, TTRPG creators did some sort of celebrity boxing as we were watching, admittedly, a really good UFC card. Um, For those of you who are longtime fans of Asians represent or or maybe new fans of Asians represent. I am a really big fan of martial arts, longtime practitioner of different martial arts. Not now in my pandemic days, my body is frail and weak. Uh, I think my mind is strong sometimes, <laughs> um, but long, long time love affair with martial arts and long time follower of mixed martial arts. And, you know, I got, you know, Ken, our friend Ken Davidson and I watch MMA all the time. Okay. Our friend, our friend, Tim, uh, who worked for Bloody Elbow uh, is in Toronto and we watch MMA all the time. And I got you and Emma to start watching UFC fights with me. I, uh, I talk a lot of smack about things that I don't understand. Yeah. But you know, it's been a, this fun thing that we do, you know, every couple of weeks is instead of playing D and D instead of playing battlefield or whatever, or smite or anything like that, we watch a UFC card totally legally. Um, <laughs> Super legally. Super legally, and it's pay, been a pay fun for every view. Pay for every view, and it it's been a fun thing. And but we were chatting, we were like, "Well, what if like who would win in a fight, like <laughs> Brennan Mulligan <laughs> or Matt Mercer?" And we just we, we were just going back and forth. We were like, "What would their strategy be? What would their thing yeah, be?" because well, the- Mercer's got like a Mercer's, I think, taller. He's big. He's, he's got, a big dude. Yeah, he's must. But like Brennan's got that. Damn, he's got that energy streak. He's got that energy. I feel like and I, I remember saying this. I was like, I feel like Brennan would try to get in Matt's head during the weigh-ins. He would be talking shit. He would be like, he would come out with some like wild outfit. He'd have like the crazy eyes. I, <laughs> I, I really think that he would go out and just try to get in Matt's head. But I think Matt would have that like, and I think Brennan also has that like that, that dog in him. I think he'll just like. It, he'll make it a brawl. But I think Matt's just, Matt's, I saw this picture of Linda Codega did an interview with Matt and Marisha. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she, they posted a picture. Um, sorry, the pronouns, they. They posted a picture with Matt and Marisha. And Matt was looking swole as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, oh. Like, I've met Matt in person. And I, I didn't remember him being that big. And I was like, damn. That's because he's preparing for not this one. He's preparing for Creator Creator Clash 3. (laughs) Creator Clash 3, Critical Role versus the World. (laughs) There's an idea right there. I mean, you know, it it does make sense that that they're on Creator Clash because, you know, when that leak, when that Twitch leak happened, they make the most money on Twitch. Just, just you know? they make the most money off of subs on Twitch. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. So, like, 
But yeah, like a couple days ago, it was announced that Creator Clash 2 is happening. And none other than Marisha Ray of Critical Role is fighting Haley Sharp. Yodeling Haley, another influencer. I don't know who that is. Um, but Marisha is is fighting Haley Sharp. And I was like, is this a joke? Is this some sort of like weird leak? I saw this on like not a gaming thing. I saw this on like a Philip DeFranco video. And I had to look it up and go on Marisha's Twitter and boom, there's the announcement right there. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, this is real. And I was like, what is this for? Like, usually you see celebrities kind of go into this sort of celebrity boxing for like clout or if they need money. But then mm-hmm. I look and I see Creator Clash is all about charity. Yeah. Yeah. And Critical I Role think... Foundation is there. And I was like, yeah, this is that's and so, like, I'm fully on board. And so, you know me, I went and did some research. <laughs> and I did you know some, me, I did not. <laughs> I did some research. I go and I'm like, Marisha Ray, Marisha Ray sparring footage. And I start looking for it. And then, you know, the critters are out there and they've definitely found it. Yeah. And there was this other influencer who had a celebrity boxing match sort of thing. And... She posted this long vlog documenting her process of going from never having done any boxing to having fought in in an exhibition match. Remember, Creator Clash, these are exhibition fights. Nobody here is, I don't think, licensed to box professionally. This is an exhibition. So they don't have a record or anything like that. Well, they have an exhibition record, but it's not a professional record. But anyways, in this video, Marisha is her main sparring partner. And so I'm watching this and I was like, over the course of it, it's like a 20 minute video. Marisha is getting better and better. And at the end, it was like last sparring session before I go to do my fight. And Marisha is just dropping bombs on her. Like here. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know anything about uh, Haley Sharp. And so I watched Haley Um, Sharp. This is Haley Sharp's second exhibition match. So she had a fight before and she fought this other influencer. She Haley lost. Fourth round TKO, technical knockout. Um, and she got the shit beat out of her. It was like As, she yeah. she she got hard. She got hard, yeah. but like her technique looked bad. Sure. But you know, I go on Haley Sharp's like social media, I went on her TikTok, and she looks like she's in way better shape than she was for the original the first creator clash. Marisha is like into fitness, so she's she's ready to go. I genuinely think this is gonna be a good fight. My I think Marisha wins. I you know. Marisha is my pick. Marisha's like Brennan. Just got that dog. You yeah, know, and that you can tell by the characters gonna, that she gonna plays go too. For it. <laughs> yeah. You know how many uh, uh, campaign two memes are going to be sprung out of this with the whole Beauregard thing? It came a Beauregard in real life and just yeah. living that monk life. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And if I were Marisha, I would come out and, you know, a Beauregard cosplay. Like, Make it a part of your fight kit. But I think, like, I was watching Marisha spar. It's like, oh, shit. Like, does not look like a professional fighter. It would get absolutely... Sure, there's a huge... The, fucking killed by, like, a Clarissa Shields or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, like, for an amateur who's doing an exhibition match against another amateur who's an influencer, she looked really good. She looked yeah. really good boxing, and she was like fucking rocking this other influencer in sparring. I was like, first of all, don't don't rock your sparring partners. But I think she got power. Sure. And it, I'm very interested. They, they they've got an interesting card. Like from the top, it's like 
Alex Wasabi versus Idubs. I've only heard of these names. I don't know who they are. Um, they've got John Randall Hennigan. I think, oh, he's a professional wrestler. Um, versus the Harley from like uh, uh, Epic Mealtimes, who also yeah. already had a fight. Um, yeah. They've got, um, I did a thing. What the fuck kind of name is that? Uh, I did a thing versus Fitz. I have no idea who these two dudes are. I don't are. like Fitz. Who is Fitz? Fitz uh, became a very, a very popular comedic uh, uh, YouTuber. Um, okay. Who was like a very big deal for a long time. I presume still is, but like, is he a com- comedian? Like, is it like skits? Yeah. Like, like well, like, like, uh, comment, like, like comedy and gaming stuff. Oh, comedy gaming. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 Like playing a lot of Fortnite and shit like that. And just like, oh. like a lot of goofs. But like a lot of the goose were, in my opinion, problematic. You know. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, just based on the pictures that they have on the Creator Clash website, I did a thing is like looking pretty jacked, shirtless, and Fitz is like kind of sulking in a hoodie. Yeah, like, not not the greatest like, matchup at like, least in terms of photos. Yes, like one person is already winning, and then we've got Froggy Fresh with like a wild chest tattoo versus. Chris Wait, Reagan? hold on, like, hold on, like, like, Frog Refresh, like, Krispy Kreme 2012, that Frog Refresh? I have no idea rap, who this dude is, I don't know who this, I don't know. What the hell? I don't know who this is, but he looks fucking jacked, and then Chris Reagan here looks like he works for a tech company. Like, we'll see. <laughs> he um, looks like he works for a tech company, and Frog Refresh gonna pop that bubble. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> Then we have like Haley Sharp and Marisha Ray. I only know Haley Sharp from the videos I saw on TikTok of her getting her ass kicked and then her own TikTok. Um, and then obviously we all know who Marisha Ray is. I think Marisha's going to win. Then there's Myth versus Hundar. Was Hundar on Machinima? I don't know. I don't know. Name sounds familiar. Um, then there's Aaron Hansen versus Jarvis Johnson. I don't know who these folks are. Um, uh, Aaron Hansen is uh, Game Grumps. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then this one surprised me. Alana Pierce versus I don't know who, who Micah is. Um, but Alana Pierce is going to fight. Um, no footage, no sparring footage at all. So I don't, I, I can't make a judgment here. But at least they both sent in pictures of them with hands up, ready to fight. Um, and then there's like leon hart and like crank gameplays don't know who these are but crank gameplays you know, looks a lot like that other dude fits oh are yeah the same person i don't know you know i i, I don't want to say all white people look the same no they don't look sometimes the same. things like creator class kind of goes to show that there's an overwhelming amount of like That's content creators fun. out there that it is so easy for them to have many millions of followers and you have no idea who the fuck they are no idea yeah I think they're we're all, they were, we're all living uh, in our in our own social media bubbles. Yes, and then there's dad. I, I don't know anything. Okay, I hope I know that I, I know this dad guy. This dad guy, he was in Crater Clash one. Um, he had a fight. He fought this yeah. much younger guy in one. I think. Um, then I, there's Jay Jay Laray. Don't know who that is. Yeah. Abelina Sabrina. Don't know who that is. I do hope that uh, this Nathan Jack Barnett Nathan. is. Not problematic. I'm not saying he is. I have no idea. I don't think about him. Nathan but I just who? love uh, the dad guy. 
Oh, dad guy. I just love the energy of his photo. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but that's the kind of energy where I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's the energy that looks funny, but could be problematic. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then I scrolled down to the last one is Jack Manifold. And then out of the corner of my eyes, I see Dakota Olive. And I was like, is that Ninja? Because the blue hair from the corner of my eye. And I was like, no, no. Um, then they got announcers. Love- <laughs> what? I would love to see you on some like content creators like like a twitch thing at the red carpet as a journalist and you have to identify all these fucking people walking by <laughs> and try to talk to them and you're just slinging names that you just based off of the most basic possible identifiers blue hair ninja ninja like, <laughs> i think that's just the persona that i could put on i should just you know <laughs> uh, i think that'd be fucking funny um uh, and then the announcers, they got like most critical, Jack Septikai, Markiplier, Asian, um, S, S fan. I don't know. Oh, I thought the way you said that, I thought, yeah, I thought that meant Asian. to say that it just says Markiplier, Asian. <laughs> no, <what? laughs> no. It just, just so everyone's clear. Markiplier, Asian. Markiplier is Asian. Um, yeah. I'm always cheering for Markiplier. Always critical white. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Tony Jeffries, a comedian? No, I don't know. Uh, no. Wade Plemons, don't know who that is. Chills, I don't know who that is. Amaranth, know who that Chills is. Chills does like the. Do you, do you remember the? You know the meme like the 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 Burger King foot lettuce meme? No. Oh my fucking god! Oh, there I don't, is this a young people thing? I guess I don't um, know, but um, nah, he's uh, uh, he's like a horror story, like oh, content creator. I think that's where he, at least he got to start. I don't. That's cool. I have not followed him in many years. Then there's super mega national anthem performer, apparently. Um, and then the announcer. I gotta look up the announcer because the announcer's voice is very important. Um, is Akinola Brissimo? I don't know who that is. I'm gonna have to look up all these folks. Um, you know, it'd be really fun. I would love to do commentary on an event like this. I'm a nobody, but I think it would be so much fun. I think it would just be absolute chaos, though. Absolute I, chaos. I would, you know, being nobodies at an event like this and just talking mad shit would be so fucking funny. <laughs> you, know? you know what? It could just be like set up. We'll do a separate commentary. Honestly. Would you want to watch this card? We'll buy the pay-per-view and we'll watch it. Yeah, of course. I think that'd be really fun. Of course. I think it'd be I'm fun. i talk mad shit about all we, these people. We could stream. We'll, you know what? We could do our own commentary. We could stream on Twitch. We won't stream the pay-per-view because we don't want to get taken down. <laughs> but we'll set up a stream. We'll put like a countdown timer so people can track the rounds and everything. Yeah. And then we can just do our own commentary. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why can't not? we? Yeah. Um, I think I think folks might might like that. We'll see what the patrons think. Um, now, speaking of patrons, we've got some questions. We've got time for questions. Um, let's start with the top. I, I wrote them all down, Drew, so, so don't worry about it. Okay. Van said, Van's question is, are you a dice hoarder or do you have one set? Or do you have specific dice for specific characters 
slash games. I, for one, am not a dice hoarder. I have lots of dice. I have a... Damn it. I'm, yeah. I, I was just about to say, I'm not a dice hoarder. And then no, my no, brain was a like... A dice hoarder is I don't not collect about dice. how many dice you have. It's about the mentality around having dice. I've just accumulated so many dice. Yeah. Over the course of playing... I still have my original polyhedral dice from when I started playing D&D uh, like over 20 years ago. I still have them. I'm missing, I think, 1D6. Yeah. Uh, but I remember where I bought them from, the Silver Snail here in Toronto, back at their original Queen Street location. But I still have those dice. Um, but for me, honestly, I will... I'm like a flavor of the week sort of user of dice. Like, I haven't rolled dice sure, for D&D sure. in a really long time. But when I was, I used to bring out... I had this case with all of my sets all color-coded but I carried them around because I was also running like children's programs and also um, the sort of like the program for the autism community that I run when we were doing it in person, tons of dice. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm not super, I don't have specific dice for specific characters, but I do have dice that I like more than others. Like I have, sure. there's obviously the um, sentimental about my original dice set. I have my brother's original dice set too. Uh, I have a, a couple of handmade dice from Lucky Hand Dice, uh, our friend Lemmy. I hope mm-hmm. Lemmy is well. I bought them from Lemmy. And I have a I have a metal D20 that I got when I was invited to D&D Live, which is really special to me. Um, and then I have the most extra thing that I have is I have a, I have a Swarovski oh, D20. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I have a Swarovski D20 that Watsy sent me for Christmas, I think two years ago. Um, probably the most extra thing that I own. Like, I want to put that on a chain and walk around. (laughs) (laughs) But like, like you know, when like I don't like to have a lot of. It looks like I've got a lot of stuff here. I I don't like to keep a lot of stuff. Uh, but when we eventually move into a new home, like I want to put that D twenty on like a little special stand or something. Um. Would I ever use it or it's roll it? Especially lit. It's in a glass, <laughs> like, vitrine case. Yeah, yeah, it rotates. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You but hire yeah. someone to clean it every week, you know? To pay myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not a dice hoarder. Mm. Most dice that I own, I own because other other nerds gave them to me for yeah i have a lot of dice from like gifts and stuff yeah like it's a it's an you know the the seven dollar sets of dice you can get at your uh flgs you know Mm -hmm. uh that that is how i own most of them i i am similar i have my favorites but i'm not really a like Ah, I rolled a natural one one too many times. Dice I'm prison. You in a dice prison. Yeah, I no. think prisons are bad and mostly unjust. So I don't do that. <laughs> Look <laughs> at you. See, I, I was gonna I, say, I, I was gonna say, if that if that die betrays me, they all betray me. I'm I using a digital one now. Preach. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> so the but, so the consensus is we're both the same. We are not dice orders. We don't have specific dice for specific characters, yeah. though we do have favorites but we won't go have, out of our way i do have dice for specific characters but again not because i bought them but because my fellow like like the dm of the game oh, bought them for you and you, you're obligated like, to use them yeah they were like i <laughs> okay. bought this for your character this is like their colors and i'm like 
I guess it is. Sure. That no I, obligation like, doesn't count. Uh, obligation doesn't count. Yeah. Um, I mean, so this that? past Christmas, um, my sister bought me metal dice and I really prize that because I don't, I've never had metal dice. So I do prize the idea of like having unique types of dice, like metal or like the gemstone, the gemstone ones, ones. Of that, that that's something that I would like. Uh, you know what I have, I have these dice. I have no idea. Yeah, I have these. I have no idea where they came from, but they're like the the D fours are are crystalline shape. They're not they're not pyramidal. Oh yeah. Um, but I use those dice the most actually because I use them as tokens and counters for magic. Mm. Uh, that's the set of dice that I have in my my uh, quiver, my case. Um, but yeah, no, well, like I'm I've been using a, that one a lot, you know, because. You one my character. sister bought it so it's so it's special but it's like it's a, it's a really nice like metal it's like mm. hollow on the inside so it's like a, it's almost like a wire frame it's not wire but it's like so it's, it's, it's not like super heavy it super no it's heavy? very light it's very See, light th- that's the thing with metal dice for me if i like with metal dice you also need to have a like a a, a roller right and because you're gonna fuck up your table <laughs> you're gonna drop it fuck up your table or like imagine like you're playing and you've got all your minis out or your dwarven forge you can't take your metal dice and throw them out there hit a mini destroy it can't do yeah, that if if out of rage you accidentally throw one that's throw called one. battery yeah <laughs> flip the table no um so we're 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 not heavy metal dice we don't like those uh we've just turned away so many sponsors um <laughs> yeah yeah now, uh, second question is from Kat. Um, what's the gift you are most excited to give or receive during the holidays, traditional winter holidays through the Lunar New Year? Um, Lunar New Year, don't get gifts, just get cash. Um, <laughs> unmarried people, we, we, we get cash, we don't have to give it out. Um, in terms of like Christmas, I am not a huge... My whole family, we're not big on like gifts for Christmas. We've always kind of been the family, you know, once I became an adult of like, hey, if I want to, if I see something that I think you would like, I'll just, I won't wait for Christmas. I'll gift it to you. Um, That's the kind of family we are. Um, Every year as a joke, my mom and dad give me a jar of canned, like of, of like peaches, like canned peaches from costco every year i have wait, so many on. wait they give it to you yeah for christmas may i ask why i've i love them i love them and it's just but like you just said that you have so many yeah but i can't eat them all the time i also part of me is also like i'm saving them for the apocalypse um, so that, that's what's that's what'll keep me going the apocalypse the peaches the peaches yeah um but yeah they give me that and my mom used to give me vintage lego Ooh, and i cool. think they're all just like leftover gifts that she didn't give me when we were kids like this like my, <laughs> like on my like 28th birthday my mom was like here i got this for you and it was like a star wars episode one lego set and i was like first of all that's fucking awesome i love yeah, it i love it um but uh this year um if we were to talk about a material thing uh, my brother went to Japan um, to spend some time with his partner who's there. And first of all, full of envy, but I love my brother. Uh, and he got me a um, a copy of the first volume of a manga series that I really love called Free Ren Beyond Journey's End or like Free Ren at the Funeral. 
and I really wanted to have a, a copy of the first volume, but in Japanese. Wait, hold on. What is it called? F- free Ren Beyond Journey's End, but some people call it Free Ren at the Funeral. Free, free Run at the Funeral. Free Ren at the Funeral. Listen, I know that Panic at the Disco is ending after this tour. Okay, I realize they let's are pivoting that hard. First of all, this Panic at the Disco thing is like Panic at the Disco is breaking up. Brendan, you're breaking up with himself. He is the only member of Panic at the Disco. Like, That's I don't true. understand. Um, also, <laughs> sorry. I, I don't know why I had such a strong emotional reaction to that. Also, they're like his latest stuff, not great. Not very good. Not, not great. Like not it's, good. it's not, not good. 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 Not not good. No, not not very good. Uh, it, it was like the first like two or three albums were good. Sure. Um, yeah. When it became I think like there a solo some, act, it kind of went downhill. Yeah, and I think there's some creepy stuff going on with him or some other members. I don't want to spread. That gossip, makes sense. That I makes know. sense. I, 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 I thought a lot gossip, of but, uh, a lot of you know. a lot of Twitter sentiment was like, "Good, go." Um, well, where we always oh, in terms of gifts, yeah. Free Ren Beyond Journey's End Volume 1 in Japanese, my brother got for me. And then he also got me a cute uh, spy family figure of the character, Anya riding the dog Bond, and sits on my shelf over there with all of my other anime figures. Because <laughs> I've, I've become that guy now. Um, yeah, so I think that was my... I was really excited to receive that. In terms of giving um, a gift, I had ordered my partner a gift, um, like, another, like an anime figure, and the order got delayed so many times. Like I, I ordered it and it was supposed to be for her birthday, which is like in June. So I ordered it like last February. It got delayed to August. Then it got delayed to December. So I was like, okay, it's going to be a Christmas present. I still haven't <laughs> received it. <laughs> I still haven't received it. That's um, how it goes. But I was really excited to give my brother a gift as well. And I had ordered these knockoff Pokemon cards. They were, I saw this creator had made these knockoff Pokemon cards. You could find them on my Twitter and they were super, super derpy. I'm going to, let me, I'm going to pull them up right now. Um, But they were super derpy. Uh, It was just like, I couldn't resist buying them because I just, I wanted my brother to essentially like, he works a lot and I wanted my brother to, you know, relive childhood memories. So I bought this like $25. It was $25 for a booster pack. They had made <laughs> this creator had made them like got them professionally made it to booster packs, randomly sorted like each pack, you get a foil card and everything. And they put a fake wizards of the coast logo and, and everything on it. And um, I got them from my brother and, you know, we wrote him a nice little note. And it was like, enjoy your childhood. Please relive this. We opened it up together and he got this like really funny looking Venusaur that looked <laughs> absolutely hilarious. My foil ended up being this Magikarp, which I love, one of my favorite Pokemon. Um, but it was just, I was so happy to give this gift to my brother um, and he absolutely loved it. Uh, and I think the best part about giving gifts is like seeing people sort of react to them and and like the thought that you put into it um so yeah that's my long-winded answer to cat's question what about you drew uh i think favorite gifts that i received man see so i am never i have never been a very gifts oriented person whether it's receiving gifts or like giving gifts to the point where i don't even remember most of them Mm. 
but I do remember. So my sister gave me those dice. Yes, the metal special. dice. Because like, um, for whatever reason, I think, um, you know, so my sister and I never really gave each other like gifts much when we were younger. Um, but now like, you know, we're like tax paying adults and shit. You know? yeah. So we feel we feel obligated to. But uh, it, it's nice to receive that. And uh, while I'm not a, a dice hoarder. I do fucking love those dice. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like they, they yeah. got like little dragons coiled on them. They're really oh, that's cool. cool. That's um, cool. But uh, that would probably be my favorite one that I that I received. Um, one that I gave. So we did a for my uh, home game that I run. Uh, I gave we the, all of us players or not all players, but every one of us, we did a like Secret Santa. Mm. And I gave my friend uh, like five giant candles because uh, oh. they wanted candles. But my idea was um, we had this past Halloween, we had played. It's a TTRPG called Blackheart, I believe, where you play as cultists summoning the god. It's all oh, very like cool. Carly Rae, it's all very Carly Rae Jepsen themed. Uh, it was incredible. Oh, is it by is it by Colin? I believe so. Who, who, okay, I, cool. I played a character named Johnny Hotcock. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Johnny Hotcock had a uh, <laughs> Johnny Hotcock uh, had an alter ego named James Cockblock, and it was very good. <laughs> It was, very, awesome. good. That's it was awesome. very good. It was very good. That's a genuinely very fun game. I highly recommend it. But we did it all by candlelight. But we did it the in the basement as one should. Um, and <laughs> and then the issue is all that candle smoke and scent <laughs> went straight up through the floorboards into the rest of the building, <laughs> and <laughs> basically like blew out everyone's noses up above us oh, that's <laughs> <fucking> funny <laughs> and so now my brain is just like well now i bought i bought my friend five conflicting smells <laughs> for candles <laughs> that will not mesh together well <laughs> and i insist that next <laughs> speaking of smells i got like i get i get gifts from like watsy sends sends me stuff like sure. I, I, w- I was sure. the recipient of one of those really poorly timed packages with yeah, the yeah. stolen design. Um, I now own a wooden DM screen that I'm never going to use or, or you know, put on socials. But um, when uh, the uh, the Witchlight uh, book came out, they sent me a copy, not knowing that I'm afraid of clowns. That box has clowns on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will stab the dude. <laughs> um, but they uh, they sent me these like room sprays. They sit right next to my toilet. Um, That's fun. I get some are these sprays fey- clown scented? They are they are all like Fey Wild themed witch spray. Like so, I'm just like oh, just took a dump. Um, smell really good. Um, but uh, yeah, so so you were saying that you did a Secret Santa. What was the gift? The gift was the candles. Oh, the gift was sorry. I, so the gift I was gave. the candles for the game. Sorry. Now, oh, um, I, I will say, I will say, my other favorite thing that I right. received was um, part of the gift to me. My friend, uh, they have a like uh, sticker printer that they can use. Oh, and so they printed me out a bunch of stickers. Now, mm. no one's gonna know this because it's not. I I should probably take a photo of this and post it somewhere, but um. 
I am I have across my life I've never been someone who ever puts stickers on anything. I mm. live an unbranded life by and large. Oh. <laughs> I've never put them on my car on anything. And then I decided, fuck it, why shouldn't I? <laughs> and I uh, started putting them on my laptop. Except you know the laptop folds down, right? So so your stickers are, are. I had it sitting in front of me. I put it oriented in a way that oh you I'm put sitting, them on upside down upside, 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 upside down which <laughs> then sparked the idea of oh what if i just make this the most antagonistic looking surface possible so half oh it's stickers, a surface well no they're not on a surface but like just like like the most antagonistic oh, okay. looking like flat surface right. to ever have to look at so they're at all different angles some of them are peeking just out trying to piss people off so like like if you're looking at the screen, some of them are peeking out over the screen because they are not fully on the surface. They're just like <laughs> partially hanging off or some of them wrap around parts. Parts of the stickers cover the actual surface of the screen of the laptop. I can't see certain parts <laughs> of my screen <laughs> covering it. I had to do so I have like a like I have a like a my work laptop is is um my, my work laptop's like a Mac. Um yeah. And I have all of these like work stickers on it, yeah. Um, like from the company I work for. But I, <laughs> I had wanted to make a TikTok about my like work setup here, you know, yeah. all that. But I didn't want to put where I worked on on TikTok, obviously. I didn't want it to be in a con- content that I made. So I covered the stickers that had the company's name on it with sure. non-branded stickers, like a Pokeball and like all <laughs> uh, like this avocado thing. And I had to go into work to do a video shoot because uh, I was recording this, uh, this seminar. And my laptop was in the shot and I had, they had already framed me up. And then the videographer looks and was like, you've got a fucking Pokeball on your laptop in this scene. So I had to like peel off everything to have my laptop in this. And now I had to, I had to peel off five stickers that I had like, paid for from this laptop uh, it's upsetting r.i.p r.i.p um i think the next question is or or maybe i uh, always it's anime or show not me ask uh what's the latest anime slash show y'all are watching since the new season started so i'm assuming january what's something new that you are watching i don't think it has to be something that yeah is currently started airing let's break that rule because like hey what if you want to watch the classics um obviously the bad batch is on disney plus um the new season is airing of the bad batch really good show love star wars um i started watching a lot more anime with my partner because uh she's gotten really into anime um i Started watching the new, well, I started. I've been following the new Trigun Stampede series. Super good anime. Yes, it's a deviation from the source material, but it, I don't care. Um, started watching Trigun Stampede with her. We watch it weekly. Um, I started watching that time I got reincarnated as a slime. That one's pretty solid. And then I started watching this new series yesterday night called Ningen Fushin, Adventurers Who Don't Believe in Humanity Will Save the World. That's the, that's the title of the series. Um, and I think it's pretty solid. It's about these adventurers who are just super jaded. And oh, that's fun. 
Yeah, it's just basically about typical. Yeah, and it's about it's this fantasy world, and it's about all these people with trauma, uh, their own unique trauma, to band together and are slowly becoming friends and opening up to each other. It's basically about being in your thirties, and (laughs) and I'm kind of here for it. I wouldn't connect with it yet. Then no, no, you wouldn't connect with it yet. You have no. I guess you. We gotta set you up with some sort of betrayal soon. I guess. I guess. Ah. Ah. Both of you assume that's not already happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, next next month, no dice, no problem. It's going to be me and someone else. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I get I get iced out of everything. <laughs> hey, like, Daniel, so I noticed you, that I couldn't get access to uh, to the notion or anything. Like, what's up? <laughs> hey, hey, Daniel. Like, what happened? Is Discord down? Where's the server? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened, to it, bro? Um, but yeah, that th- that's what I'm watching. Lots of anime. Um, and the new Bad Batch series. What about you, Drew? Are you watching anything new? Big Nothing TV that's watcher? Like, I mean, it's new to me because I haven't seen them before. But mm. um, I don't know. See, like, I I will tend to not watch TV or um, anime, just basically anything that isn't, like, on YouTube or whatever. Okay. Uh, and then I'll suddenly, like, spam my way through a bunch of stuff. You know, it'll, okay. like, reach a critical mass. And so the other day I watched half of House of the Dragon, the new ish Game of Thrones series. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's been very good. I spend most of it going, uh, listen, Matt Smith, you can't be doing that. You You're the like, doctor. You, 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 <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's just like, mm, buddy, listen, uh, you can't be doing that. You, we know how that, this turns the- out for you. I think you're doing you can't be doing that. That's not that's not good. <laughs> I've heard um, the, the CG in that is incredible. I like the costuming it's and super acting. good, but like it's super good. But there's like on, on the television that I'm watching uh, it on at, at, my, at my friend's house because I don't hmm. own HBO Max, whatever it's called. Um, there's some sort of like motion smoothing on it. That's driving me up a wall. Oh, is it like a, like the a TV dragons, setting? Yeah, like the dragons look great. But there's something about like remember when uh the first Hobbit came out and they were like 48 frames. Oh a god, second, yeah. And it just it just looked it felt weird. wrong. It felt wrong. It just, it, it's kind of like that. I think it's right. some motion smoothing. There's something happening there that I don't like. But anyways, uh th- that seems good. Uh two weeks ago I watched Arcane, not for the first time. Like, we're gonna talk 13th, about we're gonna talk about time. Arcane next month. I think next month's episode we should just do we should talk about video game adaptations because hey. Navar Navar keeps telling me to watch The Last of Us because he knows that I'm oh, a fan yeah, of the video I need games. To watch that. Well, I'm a video games. I'm a fan of the first one. I did not like the second one. Um, but I have no opinions. Next month we should talk about video game adaptations because I know you have lots to say about Arcane. Yeah, yeah. Because so- I saw these lists and people <laughs> are like, The Last of Us is the best video game adaptation. Absolutely fucking not. Arca- in my opinion, it's. I mean, I haven't watched Last of Us yet. I'm gonna watch it, but I I can't imagine it being better than Arcane. I I can imagine it. I I can, but well, we'll see. I haven't watched it yet. We we'll see. But uh, the thing that honestly, the thing that partially holds me back, and like I've never played The Last of Us, so like I get it. Like I don't have that experience to draw from. But the fact that they don't look if the it's same. just <laughs> if it's no, no 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 i don't care about that okay Pedro pascal fuck yeah bro yeah he's, the, he's um, the boss yeah 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 yeah. um it's it's just that if it really is just a adaptation even if, even if it's very faithful if it's an adaptation of just the first game then i'm just sort of like uh 
it's not exploring anything new. Like we want the adaptations to be faithful, but don't we want them to also break new ground? We should talk about, we should talk about this next month because there are going to be folks who are like, this is too much of a departure. Yeah. It's too much of a departure, right? Remember the doom, remember the doom movie with the rock, Carl Urban. I do. And it's kind of fucking funny. Yeah. It's, it's It's a huge, it's not great. It's huge. Didn't they make a new, they made a newer one, right? A newer Doom? Doom something? It was like a 2018, 2019? Well, I don't know. It game. wasn't good either. Was it Doom Annihilation? Is that what it's called? Fuck, I, I don't know. know. It wasn't good. It was also bad. Um, Let's look it up. So there's. Oh, yeah. Doom Annihilation. I didn't. 2019. Did not. Know I, this I, was I a give game. a thumbs up. It was awful. <laughs> it was because this is a the direct to DVD, a direct to yep. video. It, it it earned uh, mixed reviews and seventy six thousand seven hundred and three dollars in domestic video sales. <laughs> in software um, publicly stated that they were not involved with the film. Yeah, that's that's always a stellar thing. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I want to watch you know as much as I can of The Last of Us before our next uh, podcast. Mm. But yeah, when it comes to, I am not going to say my thoughts on Arcane. I want to save that. Save However, it. I will say I've watched it 13 times in the past 12 months. So do the math, <laughs> you know? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. That's, that's why I, th- I think it'll be a, a good conversation. Um, so you're rewatching arcane a lot. Uh, the last question. And then, and then we can wrap up. Jeremy asked, do you guys tend to prefer video games that emphasize a deep story like The Witcher 3 or video games that primarily emphasize gameplay like Hearthstone, most roguelikes, etc.? Uh, do your TTRPG tastes align with this? Like, do you prefer TTRPGs with storytelling mechanics or do you naturally gravitate towards crunchy war game simulators? I answered first for the previous three questions, so I'll, I'll let I'll let you answer first. Um... When it comes to video games, I think I prefer video games that are, um, I guess, function over form. I like games that are focused on gameplay and mechanics mm. over maybe the stories and the narratives. But I, I do know just from my own video game proclivities that I, unless I'm playing video games with somebody, I am probably not playing video games. Uh, yeah, like I just have play. a really yeah, like I just I just have a very extroverted energy a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's where I get most of my energy. So, um, and and I have a uh, a good amount of uh, friend groups, and to the point where I can probably play video games with somebody at any point. So that means that I you know I just I don't know I know that I have a bazillion single player games in my Steam library and uh, across other launchers. And I don't tend to play them, even if I like the stories, you know, I just don't tend to play them. Yeah, but then what? on the flip side. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Sorry. So with tabletop role playing games. Well, no, this can this can get into a whole other thing. So maybe you go first with your. At least OK, maybe maybe that question is is going to be for another episode um, for, for me, like very similar you know, with the day job, with Asia's represent, with freelance work, I don't have a lot of time, right? And as much as I would love to play a single player game, I would rather spend my time 
if I'm going to play video games, playing them with friends. Um, I, I have been trying to play persona four for like a year. I start it, I play a bit and then I never finish because I'd rather go and play smite or battlefield or, or Warzone or whatever with, with actual people. Um, or, you know, if I want to play a game and like, just take a, like a, like during my lunch or something like that, I'll get too into a single player game and I just won't be able to get the satisfaction of playing because I'll, I'll want to play longer like the with with the witcher right yeah. if i'm gonna play for like an hour like that's like maybe one quest i want to get sucked into the story and experience it that way so f- for me i love games with a deep story and i think beyond just like a deep character story i love a game with like an interesting world um like i like elden ring it does not have a deep story but it's got a very interesting world um but it also has a combination of really good gameplay the combat is really cool in elden ring the creatures are well designed i think there's more to it than story um but elden ring was also a game that i could play for an hour um because i'm like okay well i'll try to beat this boss you know 30 tries later i guess i couldn't beat this boss time to get back to work yeah Um, i mean it's one of the reasons that i loved hades so much oh yeah i'm very excited i'm very excited for hades too but like it combined the fast-paced uh ADHD stimul stimulating yeah. like roguelike gameplay, but with really deep and meaningful old uh, story. It was uh, great narratives and relationships, and I, I really enjoyed that game. That game oh, that game was, was phenomenal. The art style too. My oh, so god, good. my god, that game was is a perfect game, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I also like like games that have like uh, tasks involved. Like I really liked. Um, I liked when we were playing Valheim. Um. I like just like having a, an objective and a goal and just kind of building, creating my own story. Same with, uh, what's that vampire game? Uh, fuck. What is that called? Uh, There's a V-Rising. V-Rising. Really enjoy V-Rising too. Um, but again, like I, I want to play games with people. Um, so I think the answer is kind of like in between. If I can get like an interesting, a really compelling world, but with a gameplay loop that allows me to play in short bursts, I'll play it. I'll play it. Yeah. Right. Um, but I will always gravitate towards game that I can play with other people. If it's a story game that I can play with other people, like it takes two. Well, that's the game I'm going to play. Or if it's just like a mindless army shooter, like battlefield, but I can play it with you, Drew. I can play with Emma. I can play it, you know, with like Aizen and Marcus in our server. Like, yeah, I'm going to play that game. Uh, I will play. I've never, I haven't beaten the story to Genshin Impact. Like I'm not caught up yet because I play that one in bursts too. I I log in, do my dailies, do a quest or two, and then just kind of go back to other things. Uh, In terms of TTRPGs, Drew, do your tastes align with this? Do you gravitate towards more storytelling games or do you like to have like crunchier games? Hmm. If you don't have an answer, I, I do. No, no, I do. I do. Okay, let's hear uh, it. It's. I like games where the table's focus is storytelling. Okay. But oftentimes in my purely anecdotal experience, a right. lot of sto- a lot of storytelling, a lot, a lot of tabletop role playing games that market themselves as being storytelling games 
the mechanics that they toss into the mix get in the way of the storytelling, at least to me. Do you have an example? Um, so, you know, like, Powered by the Apocalypse? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, go like, buy Ross Rifles. Listen. Yeah, go buy Ross Rifles and other things, you know? But, like, I... Mad respect for it. I it's a it's a well loved uh, system. It's not, it's not for play. everyone. It's not for everyone, and apparently not for me. Uh, but <laughs> I just I I find that a lot of mechanics that are developed for social interactions and and, and storytelling and narratives get in the way of the fluidity of developing narratives because people have to stop and think and look down at their sheets and go, do the rules allow me to say this? See, that's that's the thing with PBTA games. There's a difference between a really well-designed PB, and I'm not saying I'm a good designer in, in that system, but there's a difference between a really good PBTA game and a bad PBTA game. Because one of the potential limitations of that system is that your character sheet is not a blank slate like it is in more traditional games. Your character sheet in a PBTA game is a choose your own adventure story because you are an archetype. You're, you're already being told what you're going to be. The moves yeah. you pick enable you to tell a story within a framework, but it is not truly all of yours. Yes, you make it your own, but I, I get what you're saying there. Also with move design, like if you need to have moves that allow people that are ambiguous enough for you to be able to apply it to off weird situations. Like when we were first writing Ross Rifles, all of, we leaned really hard into making the moves like World War One themed in name. And it just confused the fuck out of people when we were sure, playtesting. Sure. Uh, and because people just didn't understand when they could use them. And it got in the way of the yeah. story. Um, yeah. Whenever you want to like, you know, use an action or what, you know, you, whenever you, yeah, what is the move thing. for this? And yeah, whenever you want to like move forward three inches, but then go back to, you just call it Verdun, you know, huh. stuff like that. <laughs> um, huh. uh, but, but also like it, it's also with those games matter of like knowing when to say, okay, time to roll. Because if you're, yeah. if you're looking for a narrative experience, you might not want any dice at all. Yeah. Right? And I, I understand that like the way that I play a lot of, uh, or my experience with tabletop role-playing games narratives is not necessarily a one that a lot of other people have because in my, uh, like in my home game, we don't roll as like we play D and D fifth edition. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, of course there's like, you know, I will have them roll like persuasion and deception and things like that. But we as a group can get very into character, very into those moments. And, me trying to call for a lot of that kind of stuff would disrupt it. it. You know, suddenly you're, you know, you're thinking really hard about what you're trying to say, what you're trying to be as a character, where you're trying to go. And then suddenly you're getting yanked out of that to refer to uh, a rule, be, you know, or to check the math on your role. And I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like disrupting that kind of stuff. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, like in our home game, there are tons of sessions where we just don't roll dice at all. Yeah, but yeah. we're still like, are, but are we really playing D and D? Nah, I don't care. There's a debate. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I personally don't care. It's like, yeah, it's there. The rules are there for when we need them and if we need them. Yeah, right. Something that I noticed after playing uh, uh, Pathfinder Second Edition mm. uh, for quite a bit, uh, and in a couple different campaigns, 
because uh, I played it when it was in its sort of playtest phase. Yep. And then I played it when it just had come out. And then I've played it more recently uh, with you and some of our other friends. A shout out. Shout um, out. But uh, we said shout out, that... but not to specific people. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't shout out any of them. <laughs> shout out to Jeremy, Jackie, and Emma. Shout out. Uh, but, um, you know, the level of minute, like, instead of like large sweeping, like, you have to, like, with PBTA having these broader general things. Yeah. It suddenly gets bad, but in a different way where it's like, it's so nitty gritty. It's like, so you're saying that I couldn't technically do the social interaction in this way, technically, unless I took the social feat, when I as a GM would have never thought in a million years to check if there was a rule for that. Like, yeah, so like, it's kind of the opposite. It's an, it's a similar yet different problem, right? In PPTA, it's like, when is, do does this move apply? And then in Pathfinder, it's like, I don't have the thing that lets me do the thing I want to do. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, I understand what they're meaning. And I and I agree many times. But when people are like, oh, D&D is just a combat game. Yeah. And I like that because the rest of it is us. You yeah. know, it doesn't really get in the way of me trying to just speak my truth. You know, yeah, no, 100%. Of my session, you I, know? I think it's um, what I like about D&D and, and Pathfinder too, and a lot of fantasy TTRPGs, D&D, first of all, D&D is also the one that I just play because that's what my friends want to play. Sure, there's right? always going to be that. But I think that yeah. the thing with D&D is that the rules, uh, to, to circle back to what we were talking about with regards to, you know, the SRD, the rules are completely divorced from the world. Like, you could play D&D in your own world. Like, I don't need to know about the Forgotten Realms. I don't need to know about all of these things. Um, and in a way, that's kind of freeing in a narrative sense. Because, you know, I have the dice for when I actually need them. And when I don't need them, we're telling a story together. As long as we set that expectation, right? As exactly. long as we exactly. are aware of the fact that we can go and tell a story together and if we'd like to mediate uncertainty in the story through the D&D rule set, we'll use D&D. Um, yeah. And we and like it for, we like the way it mediates, you know, yeah. uncertainty in our story. Well, in D&D is, you know, sometimes in 5th edition, it can be its weakness as well. But yes. it's, it's, in, it's designed in such a way where it does put a lot of it onto the DM, which can be bad. Um, but at the same time, it kind of gives you this ability to just hand wave or or reinterpret various elements of the game mm -hmm. to make your own home like your you know your uh your own D and D five point one your D and D five point two your little version of that game. But like, what am I going to hand wave in a PBTA game? Do I just go? Mm, we don't use that move on your page. Like the 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 rules for PBTA games are so tight. They're so um specifically streamlined to put together that it makes it harder to be modular it makes it harder to get rid of shit that you of course that it, and it's what i like about osr games too it's like i can take what i want from them yeah uh, add them into other things those hindrances those issues may are may not be objectively bad it's just they may not be what's suitable for your campaign in that moment 100 percent. but that's still a hindrance for you and your experience and you know, some people think that, um, you know, if you need to hand wave things in a game, 
and and get rid of shit then that means it's bad design it shouldn't have been there to begin with maybe but so is not being able to do what you want to completely they don't they don't work like board games you know it's not a board game it's not a video game and that's what's going to make it really interesting leading up to this new vtt are you going to be able to just ignore things yeah are you going to be able to house rule things like I'm very curious about that. I'm that sorry if always... the podcaster in me was like, circle back to the main topic of this episode. No, 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 for sure, for sure. But to add to that, that has always been the issue mm. for so many other um, VTTs or even like Baldur's Gate. It is D&D, but it's not quite like the D&D you get to play at home. No, because you, you can't is, bend the rules. You, Yeah, it's dictated by programming. And the programming is not so... Uh, complex or you know that it can just handle all your D bullshit that you like you know oh, that, that just means watsy is listening and they're just gonna be like it's time to include ai oh <laughs> no jesus <laughs> no i don't want to i don't want to manifest that uh, um, i don't yeah i don't want to manifest like chat gpt uh no. run games in their vtt i don't i don't want no. that in my life so i um, i think to like go back to like the question that jeremy asked it's like we love storytelling, but we may not necessarily seek out games that, you know, facilitate that. Like we might use a crunchy game, but then just tell lots and lots of stories and rely on the crunchy system for the things we need for like combat and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I don't like the way combat works in a lot of the more narrative games. Sometimes uh, combat's resolved in like, one dice roll and it feels doesn't feel impactful at all it feels actually like like a huge letdown for me yeah, you, like, you did, and from a game perspective it doesn't feel like you earned it yeah i don't feel like i earned, exactly and like look i'm all for ending combat in a, in a role like if i could just francis and ganu like the enemy into the shadow realm in one punch i'm all for it but i want to i want to make mechanically informed decisions to do that uh which is why which is something that liana and i are talking about a lot for wandering blades when we're designing it uh it's like i want you to have a we want you to have this like a prolonged fight where you're parrying and really careful and you're you're whittling each other's hp down or like hey you cut off the arm of an enemy but you know they're still standing and um, we want you to have that but we also want you to have the ability to say I'm going to like tap into some of my chi and I'm just going to try to take this dude out in one shot. Mm-hmm. But you need mechanics for that, in, in my opinion. Um, but I want it to keep it rules light enough where you are able to work around the rules, bend the rules, and just have sessions where you're just telling stories. Um, so I, I think, to answer the question... I don't think our TTRPG tastes align with how we approach. Well, no, I think our TTRPG tastes align with how we approach video games in a way because we want to play whatever our friends are playing. We, we want to play whatever our friends want to play with us. And I think that's the extent to the overlap between the two. Would you agree or, or disagree? No, I think that's true. You know, and the only thing, the only other thing I would say is that in my experience, I tend to like games where the storytelling is created by us, the players, 
not by the thing laid out in front of us by the game. Does that make sense? Hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So like, so like, it's like D and D being a combat game in which we create our own stories with that doesn't need the game technically. Just like you know, we don't n- need Valheim or other sandbox games. You know, we create it by what we do in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's not like we're on a linear path or or, or the. N- I mean, this gets into a more complicated thing of like narratives in video games and how mechanics back that up and all that shit. That's another episode. That's a whole other episode. Another thing that I want to say is there's also like, I like, and I know a lot of people will pick D&D and Pathfinder over, um, you know, other games like like, like Dungeon World or whatever, right? Um, A lot of people want to have a long-term game and they want to see the results of their character's narrative progression in their abilities. So being able to go to level 20 is not only a goal for folks, but also leveling up in a game like D&D is showing people the results of their narrative actions. If you're doing milestones, even if you're like, you know, going through combat and all that stuff, you're still interacting with the story. So I, I think there is something to say about folks who go with more mechanically crunchy games because they are able to see tangible results of the story. Um, There's also the fact that those things support long-term play a lot better than another game like the fall of magic. Like have you, have you, do you know the fall of magic? Nope. Okay. So fall of magic is a really cool narrative TTRPG, but the board is a scroll and you unroll it basically as the game progresses. Um, mm. It is very cool. It's very beautiful. It is expensive. It's like almost 150 Canadian dollars to buy. Um, a lot of money. But it's something that you play in a session. It's not really designed for like, we're going to have like a five year long campaign with the Fall of Magic. Beautiful game, hand silk screened. I cannot say anything bad about it i love this game um but i'm going to lean towards a game if i'm you know meeting up with like you emma mark and kendra like our home game i want us shout out shout out it would be fun to play these one-offs but like you and mark live in like two different cities and two different countries right and kendra's like within driving distance of emma and i but playing the Fall of Magic to me digitally is just not the same experience as playing it physically. There is a digital sure. version. I've played it. It is not the same as seeing this map, seeing this scroll unravel in real life. Um, so another aspect of like my choice of game is also going to be like, well, can I play it with the people I want to play it with? And am I also going to get long-term play? This is the most Asian thing. Am I going <laughs> to get like... And we're going to get good value out of it. Of course, I'm going to get good value out of the fall of magic. But a part, I know a lot of people will be like, can I play this long term? Can I play a long term game? Can I get my critical role length game out of this? Um, and sometimes you're not going to get that from indie games. I know a lot of people, though, have really long running mask campaigns. Yeah. Uh, but I think more people associate long term campaigns with mechanically crunchy games comparatively yeah, yeah. my games. my group that i run f- uh, a game f- a game for um 
I don't think any, most of them, some of them watch critical roles. Most of them don't. I mean, they all know what it is, but right. Um, ultimately like my crew is a more critical role style crew where it's all about narratives and it's always about the characters and everyone's trying to be in character as best they can all the time. Um, but that lends itself, at least in our experience to like those long-term games. And so like one pagers, not good for those long-term games. They're really fun. I really, uh, this, I don't think, it's, but you it's don't get your, pager, but you don't get your like, cobalt press sort of stuff. You can't inject new things into it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It's always trying to, yeah, getting your value out of it or, you know, just buying it because it fucking looks cool. But, you know, I'm trying to get my value out of a lot of this stuff. And that's also partially why it can be difficult to just try to jump tracks to another game. Yeah. Because if, if I'm trying to plan this thing for the long haul, one of those classic one to twenties, it ends when it ends, you know, uh, games. Um Am yeah. I going to bank all of that? Am I going to put all that energy into a new system that we may fucking hate? You know, yeah, or in? or like our game, our 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 home game. Literally, it's Kendra's first big TTRPG game. Like that means we have to go and yeah. teach a new system now. I have no problem doing that, but I also know if the group wants to go through that as well. Yeah. I would love for us to go back to Coriolis. I um, would like to go back to Coriolis so I can get one shot again. Maybe you know what? Maybe. Start another Coriolis game. We should find some folks who want to play Coriolis. Maybe. Are you out there? We'll see. <laughs> this is um, part of cultivating the parasocial relationship. Are yeah, you, yeah. the viewer, I, one of you, this? What? <laughs> <if> <laughs> um, no, I, I would love to play another Cor- Coriolis game. Honestly, I would love to try the Coriolis pre-written stuff too. Um, yeah. I just love the system. I like the idea of having a ship. Everything about it is. I know you love oh. that. I, I was all about that. the customizable ship. I was like, oh, you can put these guns on here and like, yeah, then the out there is like, how much do fast? I owe? What is my debt? <laughs> yeah. How much debt am I going to be in? Oh, fuck. I it. don't know. Long term story. College. I get it. Long term story. <laughs> this yeah. just means that Daniel's going to have to run a longer adventure so I could pay off this debt in character or um, or rack it up on a one shot. So you <laughs> never have a one shot. <laughs> Daniel, I got a 10, $10 million ship. I got all the guns cool so you start off planet side um <laughs> and you just you lost the keys to your the ship, ship in a in, in a in a at a casino um gambled it away gambled it away no i would love to to play another game but really for me it's whatever the group wants to play because i ultimately enjoy spending time with you folks yeah yeah ultimately i'll play whatever I'll play whatever. I th- I feel like we've gone very far away from the question. Um, but that said, Drew, this has uh, this has been the second inaugural episode of No Dice, No Problem. Uh, oh, yeah. We talked a lot about dice, thanks to Van's question. We 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 really overshot our time limit. We really overshot. Oh, nah, nah. no, nah, no nah, dice, nah. no it's problem. A, no dice, no problem. No dice, no fucking problem. No dice, Listen, no problem. It's a, it's an inaugural episode. It's a special. It's fine. It's a special. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, we haven't set time limit on it. I, I, we were talking hour and a half, but you know, I don't. There's just nothing we have to edit out. Um, I'll trim it down to make it sound nice. But well, we talked smack about all those different content creators. <laughs> No, no, we didn't. Ow. We complimented all of them. We compliment. We we said that. We said that. Brennan, Mul- Brennan Lee Mulligan's just gonna bring out the the sort of the the crazy energy. We said. <laughs> we said Matt's just swole as fuck. 
<laughs> and we said uh, Marisha's going to kick Haley Sharp's ass. Oh, I guess we talked shit yeah. about Haley Sharp, but we don't know yeah. Haley Sharp, and Haley Sharp yeah, isn't a fine. TTRPG content creator. Listen, you can you can talk smack about people as long as you don't know them. It's fine. Exactly. As long as you don't know yeah. them or they don't travel in the same circles as you. We're not encouraging you yeah. to do that. Don't talk do- shit to people. Be kind. Um, yeah. But uh, we're going to do this monthly. We're going to do this monthly. I We still need a logo. Uh, I sent you some stuff for an artist. I need you to let me know if you like that. We'll talk off, off air oh, about yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, we need a new logo. Um, but this will ha- happen monthly. We're going to solicit for questions in the Discord server. Uh, and we will answer them all every single time. Our, our topics, per the title, won't always be about TTRPGs. The news cycle just happened to fall on the day we plan to record. Um, Listen, so, sometimes fate conspires to hand you a topic. And you yeah, can't and, no. and if there's no dice in it, no problem. No problem. Um, but yeah, we will get a logo made and everything like that. But we really just wanted to talk and we have all these great conversations. And both of us are just thirsty for content. <laughs> yeah, this is, make no mistake. This is partially just driven from the fact that as content creators, we just always have in the back of our mind. This could be an episode of something. Yep, 100%. This, like this we were, genuine we were, joy I'm having, I could commoditize this. I could commoditize <laughs> all of my hobbies. Yeah. All of my hobbies. I could make money off of this. The only uh, the only hobby I, I don't make... the Actually, you know what? The, all of my hobbies so far outside of TTRPGs, I don't make money from. Um, yeah, I make no, no money from them. Yeah. Am I having a genuinely good time? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what's healthy for that? Inserting money. <laughs> making money so i could fuel this hobby that's how it all starts you're like oh i can make money for my hobbies to fuel my hobbies and and then it spirals into something else um but that said like future episodes will we're gonna talk about all sorts of different shit uh it won't just be ttrpg celebrity boxing it won't just be the DD srd we're gonna talk about video game adaptations we're gonna talk we're probably gonna do an episode on food uh because we have had some emma and i have been really trying to convince drew that all dressed chips are good and we're gonna have to figure out an episode where maybe we find a place near you where i can remotely order some international foods and have them sent to you um we should do an episode on food uh it's really about whatever the fuck we want to chat about and i'm excited that we have an avenue to do that on asians represent I'm excited that, um, and I and I hope the audience likes it too. I really do. If you hate it, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you hate if it, you let hate us it. know, and we'll probably cry for a week or two. Yeah, it's fine. And Listen, then you'll see no more no dice, no problem. Just, just lambast us on Twitter. Make yeah. us feel real bad. Please don't. Go for it. My heart can't handle it. My heart can't nah, handle go it. Go for it. <laughs> not only did we ruin D&D, we ruined podcasts. We, we ruined podcasts. <laughs> we ruined podcasts as a medium. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll see you folks next time, next month on No Dice, No Problem. Are you curious about the ever-expanding world of tabletop role-playing games but could not possibly know how to learn about them all? 
Do you love actual play but rarely have time to listen to a full long-form campaign? Do you like joy and fun? If you said yes to at least one of those things, you should listen to One Shot, where every month I, Dylan, bring on a new group of talented and funny improvisers and performers to play a new RPG, resulting in a self-contained and digestible story wrapped up in just a few weeks. We've already featured over 160 games on the show so far, and there are new inventive games being made every single day. So be sure to stop by, find a series that sounds interesting to you, and give it a listen. We hope you'll find new games to play, new performers to enjoy, and new stories to remember. 